we're going to start a series tonight called Lies of the Devil. And I'm kind of excited about this because we're going to be talking about some things um, that I think a lot of people in the church believe, but they're not, that they believe are in, is in Scripture, but it's not actually in the Bible. So, like I said, for the next three weeks, it'll be not counting Easter. We will tonight. We're going to talk about uh, one particular particular lie, and that is um, the lie that God will never put more on you than you can handle. Anybody ever heard that before? God will never put more on you than you can handle. Uh, I hate to break it just in case you didn't know to you, but that's not in the Bible. Um, it sounds like it should be like printed on a t-shirt or like on a bumper sticker or you know something with butterflies and rays of sunshine. I mean, because it just sound, doesn't it sound good? I mean, it sounds true, right? It sounds like it's good, but it's actually not in Scripture. And, and I've, in, in 13 years of being involved in ministry, as a volunteer, as a student, as a pastor, I have heard that more times than I can count. From Christians and non-Christians, but mostly Christians. And typically, like, people who've been Christians for 30 and 40 years believe that. And they, you know, they're like board members or pillars of the church. And it's like, that's just, unfortunately, that's just not in Scripture. And I want to read with you, if you have your Bibles or your, your app, I should say. Nobody's actually got their Bible with them. First um, Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. This is where a lot of people get this idea. It says this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, Scripture clearly says there. God will not put, let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Not deal with, not, not experience more than you can handle, not struggle with more than you can handle, but be tempted more than you can handle. And it says that he will always provide a way out. So basically, what this, is, I mean, to put this very simply, and this means that when you are tempted, which I believe that you will be at some point, all of us will be, there's going to be an opportunity for you to say no to that temptation. And... So, in essence, this means you don't actually have to sin. Can we hold off on drawing Jesus? It's kind of distracting, too. I know, he was drying up, and I was worried about it, too. But, but <laughs> in a sense, like, what this means is that you don't have to sin. Like, if when, when tempted, you don't actually have to lie to your parents. You don't have to, you know have sex with that boyfriend or that girlfriend. You don't have to drink at that party or do drugs. I mean, and I know, of course, none of you, right? None of you do anything bad here, right? Never been tempted. No, never. Not a once. But when you are eventually, Kyle, for the first time, when you're tempted, you don't actually have to sin. Um, God has given us a way out. Now, I could spend a lot of time talking about this, and I'm not going to, because we're going to do a whole series on temptation in May. So I'm going to leave that for that. I want to go a different direction. Um, 
Because there are times in your life you're going to experience difficult times. God's going to allow things to happen to you or situations where you're not going to be able to handle it. In fact, the same person who wrote this idea about not, God not tempting you more than you can handle wrote this in 2 Corinthians. Paul wrote chapter 1, verse 8. We do not want to be... I'm sorry. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. So Paul knows what it means to deal with things that are beyond his ability to handle. He, he's dealt with some issues, and I would say that there's one thing that I've learned in my life, and I haven't lived a very long life, but I feel like I've experienced some difficult circumstances growing up and things. I feel like I've learned that we are all in one of three places. You're either in a valley right now, you're going into a valley, or you're coming out of a valley. Unfortunately, we don't get to live life on the mountaintop every day, although that would be nice um, if life was always just rainbows and sunshine. Um, I feel like I've probably spent more time teaching on how to deal with difficult circumstances and life just going badly than like any other subject as a pastor, except for maybe sex. Um, I talk about that a lot. <laughs> so those, those are my top two, um, top two things. Um, but don't don't miss this. I think this is very key. There goes the police. Those kids must have ran off. <laughs> oh nope, they're still down there. Um. There will be times in your life when you face things that you cannot handle. But God can. We can't, we, I think we forget so often, or we don't even realize it maybe, that in those moments when life is just going so terrible, things are just so bad, if we would just run to God and trust in Him, He is bigger than whatever we're going through. He's able to handle our situation. Um... He would be our comforter and, and, and sustain us through the circumstances. Now, He may even deliver us. He may even like totally take away whatever difficult situation you're dealing with. He may completely take you out of that situation. Maybe He won't, but I believe that God has the ability to give you grace to get you through that situation. So I want to look at a passage of Scripture, a story in Scripture. Um, huh? Yeah, do you guys want to go inside? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm cold now. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Scripture. I want to look at what I think might be one of my absolute favorite passages of Scripture in all the Bible. One of the best stories. 1 Kings chapter 19. Um, I think my actual favorite part is chapter 17, but we could not possibly look at three chapters of Scripture tonight. I think you'd be bored to death, and I'd be the only one that was excited. And it would take us like two hours. So... Um, but let me just give you a little kind of idea of what's going on in these, in these few chapters of Scripture. It's, it's 1 Kings 17, 18, and 19. And it's where we meet this guy by the name of Elijah. Anybody familiar with that name when I say that? The guy Elijah. Um, he comes on the scene and God is, he's a prophet of God and God is taking care of him. He's, he's feeding him. He's telling him to, where to go and to get water and food. And, and the unique thing about Elijah was that God gave him the ability to make it rain or not rain, basically. <laughs> yes. He gave him that ability right there. And, and because King Ahab and his 
evil wife Jezebel were ruling Israel in just a terrible way. They were killing God's prophets. They were, you know, they tore down the altars of the Lord and all this stuff. And God was withholding rain from them. And there was a famine in the land. So Elijah wasn't exactly everybody's most favorite person in the world. They were actually wanting to kill him. And, and one day, the king sends out his advisor, Obadiah. How would you like to have that name? Um, to find grass and food. Grass for the animals and food um, for the people. And while he's out and about, he, he, finds, he comes in contact with Elijah. And that's where we realize that Ahab and Jezebel want to kill Elijah. And he's like freaking out a little bit. And, and, and then in chapter 18, there's this moment where they, they do kind of like... The best way I know how to explain it without reading it is like an offering duel. They, he, Elijah builds an altar of the Lord and wood and builds a trench around and all this stuff. And he pours water on it. You know, and then and the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah do the same thing. And, and they're trying to call on their God to come and burn up, the, you know, burn up this, this offering and this altar. And they're like cutting themselves and doing all this crazy stuff. And nothing's happening. And Elijah, you know, he calls on the Lord. And the Lord comes in a fire and just... Burns it all up. Just catches it on fire and kills the prophets. And then Elijah kills everybody else by the sword. And we pick up chapter 19, verse 1. It says this. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah done had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush. Anybody know what a broom bush is? Not a clue. Never heard that before in my life. There you go. They grow up brooms. Like, I mean, how do they not know? There you go. Had no idea. You have, you have educated me. It says, he sat down under it and prayed that he might die. He says, I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Okay, notice that it says that Elijah calls out to the Lord to take his life. He says, I, I have had enough. I want to die. I mean, these are the words of a man who has more on him than he can handle. I mean, you don't say that if life is just peachy and you've had a good day and everybody's happy and everybody likes you. I mean, these are the, that's, that's something you say when life has just gone to the pit and you have nowhere else to turn and you're just like, God, just end my life. It goes on. It says, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head, was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The, the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. Again, language that points to this idea that Elijah has more on him than he can handle. So, so he got up, ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. So... Elijah has a major problem. I mean, people want to kill him. I don't know about you, but I've never had, that I'm aware of, anybody want to kill me. Right? I mean, you have? Do what? Oh, 
Okay, well, all right. I guess, take that back. Ashley wants to kill me. I am aware. Got it on recording. I'm going to call the police when this is all said and done. No, I mean, he's, he's not... He's not got many friends. I mean, he, he's not making it rain. He, you know, he's having, he's been going through a tough season. And, you know, I realize that maybe some of you, maybe not right now, maybe not today, but maybe you've gone through or you will go through a difficult season in life where, where you just feel like you, you're just, it's, you're in a desperate time. You know, I, I feel like the more and more we trudge through those valleys of life, the more desperate we become for God to move. We're just begging God. You know, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've done this, where I've laid down my head on a pillow at night and just prayed, God, please change my circumstances. Just change this situation because I cannot deal with it another minute. Begging God to move. And most of the times, though, I feel like when that happens, God keeps sending that angel back. You know, I mean, I've never had, I've never woke up with bread and, and water next to my bed, although that would be awesome. Um, but it's, you know, he keeps sending that angel to say, hey, get up, eat, for the journey is too much for you. And even though I don't, I don't think I realize it in those moments, and maybe you don't realize it in those moments either, or maybe you're like me, I feel like I don't have enough faith to trust God maybe in those seasons where I'm in that valley. But I feel like when we go into a valley, it's because God wants to teach us something. He has something planned for us. He has something big for us. And we've got to go through that valley so that we can learn. We can grow. We can get, become strengthened in our faith and in our trust in who God is so that we can take hold of whatever that great thing is that God has for us. Um, for me, I feel like much of my college experience, <clears throat> especially my first two years, I lived on campus my first two years, and I, I don't know that I've ever truly went through what I would call a depression but the closest thing I would have to say, I mean, I feel like I was really, there were days when I would wake up and I would hope that I was sick. I would try to convince myself that I was sick because I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to go to class. I didn't want to have to, I didn't want to deal with the day to day, you know. And, and it wasn't because my life was terrible. I got good grades. I was, you know, I had a great roommate. I mean, he, he was a little messy, but, you know, life was pretty good, you know. I mean, I, I feel like, I'm, you know, it was, I just felt like I was in a valley. Sa- same was true for, for my first couple ministry experiences. Um, just I felt like I was in a valley that I couldn't escape. But God used those experiences to teach me something that I feel like I look back. And I would not be who I am today. I would not be where I'm at right now if it wasn't for those valley experiences. And I believe that's going to be true in your life too. In the valleys, we become so desperate for God to move and to speak. And that's exactly what happens to Elijah. I want to pick up verse 9 and and read the rest of this. And then we'll um, just a little bit more and we'll be done. Um, It says this, the second half of verse 9. And the word of the Lord came to him. It says, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. (laughs) What was that? Was that Abby yawning? My goodness. (laughs) The Lord said, go... And stand out on the mountain 
in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. I love this part. It says, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I am very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint, and these names are crazy. Um, Hazel, king of Aram, also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king of over Israel. I don't know. And I'm usually pretty good at figuring out these names, but this, these are rough today. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat. How would you like to have that name? From Abel Mehola to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death anybody who escapes the sword of, of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Now, okay, that, I know that was a lot. The part I want you to not miss is this part where he says, Elijah went out on the mountain and came by was this wind, but God was not in the wind. And then came was this earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. And then the fire, and God was not in the fire. He was in that gentle whisper. And see, I think Elijah, much like us, I mean, he experienced God in this massive way. He saw the fire come down from heaven and burn up the, 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 the offering at the altar right before the eyes of the prophets. And I'm sure that he was expecting God to move in that same way again. But he didn't. He moved and spoke to him with a gentle whisper. I think so much we just wait. I mean, our lives are so busy and so loud and so full of noise that we're waiting for God to speak to us in this big, massive way. Like driving down the road, we're going to see a big sign that says, Hey, Olivia, this is what I want you to do for me. Or, Hey, Faith, this is what I want you. God says, I need you to do this. You know, but that's not, I mean, may, maybe God could do that. I don't know. I believe that He could, but I don't believe that he, most of the time He's going to do it that way. Really? Was big like that? She was praying. She wanted to be in speech therapy. They were driving down the road. She lifts her up, head up from praying and sees a billboard of speech therapy. Wow. And God's never spoke to me like in that sort of manner. I wish he would. It would make my life a whole lot easier. Usually it's a whisper and I'm too busy. to. Li- I, I'm not hardly listening, you know. I got to really pay attention. And <clears throat> that was how it was for Elijah. But I think what's unique about this is it says he still had to hide his face. Even God's whispers are so powerful that we have to hide our face from it. There's so much great power and glory and strength in just the whispers of God. That he takes care of all the chaos of Elijah's life. And this is true for our lives. He can take care of the chaos of our life. So whatever you're going through, whether it be a valley experience or a mountaintop experience. God's powerful whispers are sufficient enough 
to take hold of you and carry you through the storm. You might go through some things. Uh, you might be going some th- through some things right now. You know, maybe with somebody at school, some friend or someone who's not your friend, but they're just difficult to deal with. Or maybe you're dealing with some stuff um, with a boy or a girl. Or um, We know Jordan supposedly has a girl, so maybe he's going through some issues with a girl. Jordan. I think he's making her up, but I, I'm smashing the He's got so many girls in his life right now. So, so he has he has some lady issues because he's got so many girls. Anyways, he's got some girl issues. Maybe you got ladies. All of you have some boy issues. I don't know. Boy issues. Maybe you have a parent issue. You know, maybe you have an issue with a teacher or with just a class that you're that's particularly difficulty. Are, are, are particularly difficult. You know, you know, I know this is crazy, and, and maybe I'm just speaking crazy nonsense, but I believe that it's even possible that maybe some of you might be dealing with some sort of an addiction of some sort. You know, and I know that you guys all come to church pretty much every week, and, and it seems like, well, you, you go to church, so you can't possibly dealing with, be dealing with something like that. You know, I watched my sister go to church every single Sunday, every single Wednesday night. She played in the worship band. And for years, she dealt with an addiction to cutting herself, and nobody knew it. You know, I, speaking for myself, I mean, I was in the worship band, led the worship, was involved in church from the time I was about 14, 15 years old, you know, all the way until I graduated, and I struggled with pornography. You know, I, I was encountered at nine years old because someone showed it to me and was addicted to that, you know, all through, all through high school. You know, and so I know that it's possible that maybe you in here might be, deal, be dealing with some real life issues. That was a close call right there. Um, you know, you might be struggling with something or dealing with something that's real life. And um, I just, I would say one, if that's true for anybody in here, know that you can come talk to me or one of our other volunteers or Allison. Um, and two, know that I understand that, you know, we do encounter real issues from time to time. Um, I'm not ignoring that idea. But when you're in those deep valley moments and you feel like your situation could never, ever possibly get better, remember these words from the Apostle Paul who wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 in, in regards to the power of Jesus. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And then we remember the words of Jesus from Mark 4, uh, verse 39, when he calms the storm. He says, it says, he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and its power, and it was completely calm. See, Jesus calmed the storms by simply standing up and saying, quiet, be still. I mean, what? I thought you were doing like a reenactment there. You kind of have. You know, when we deal with things that we can't handle, we need to remember that God can't handle it. And we need to become desperate for the word of God in those moments. Because at his word, raging storms are calmed. 
you know, armies are destroyed. Not that any of you here are going to be faced necessarily armies coming after you, but, you know, maybe it feels like it in your situation, or, 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 but, but circumstances can be changed. That's a normal Tuesday night for you? We, we need to pray for you then because your Tuesday night is, is rocked. <laughs> armies attacking her and chasing her down. May we not fall prey to believing in the lies of Satan. And may we remember that the text says that we can be tempted beyond. We cannot be tempted beyond what we can bear. But that we will have to handle things beyond what we can bear. And that God, but that God can handle our situation. He gives us a way out. And that he's bigger. He's, he's a big God. And he can deal with whatever we, we've got to tell. You know, He can deal with our questions. He can deal with our struggles. And he, he can carry that load. He can calm the storms with a whisper. And may we become desperate for his word in those moments when we don't know where to turn. May we cling to the grace, to his grace that is, is so sufficient. Uh, you know, I really believe that it's possible that maybe you're going through a valley right now. Or if you're not, you're headed into one. Or maybe you're coming out of one. And I would just say, as we pray tonight, if that's true for you, um, you know, just... Everybody, it's, let's just bow our heads and, and we're going to pray. And if that's true for you, I just ask you to just slip your hand up just for a second so that I can pray for you. You know, it doesn't have to be any like special moment, you know, or anything big. But if you say, you know what, I'm really dealing with something right now. Um, or I've been dealing with something. And I just would ask, I just want you, want you to pray for me. Um, with all our heads bowed and, and our eyes closed, if that's you, would you just slip up your hand for a second? Okay. All right. I see your hands. You can put your hands down now. All right, let's pray. Father God, I just pray for each one in this room, God, that, you know, maybe life to this point for, for some of us in here has been really easy and, and it's just been like, like a cakewalk, you know. <clears throat> God, but I believe and I know that that's not always going to be the case. And I pray for these students. I pray for Ashley and Olivia and Jordan and Faith and Rebecca and Abby and for Kyle. God, that you would just draw us close to you. God, may we look to you and run to you in those moments when life seems so uncertain. When we feel like armies are chasing after us, like the world just doesn't care about us. When we feel like we have nowhere else to turn, like nobody understands what's going on in our life. And we don't know who to talk to. God, I pray that we would run to you and become desperate for your word, desperate for you to move. I pray for those who are not here tonight, God, that um, they would just, one, sense that, that they've been missed and that we love them and we care for them and we, we're sad that they're not here, God, but I would pray that they would sense your presence and, and be drawn to, to want to be here, God. Feel a fire in each one of our hearts for wanting to be involved in this ministry and the ministries of this church and wanting to see our friends and people that don't know Jesus come to Christ and, and fall deeply in love with you. God, may we get a passion and a burden for that that just will not go away. God, we just thank you for this time and the ability that we have a place where we can come and we can hang out and we can do something like this. In Jesus' name. Thanks, guys. I think we actually still have about 15 minutes. So we'll you go.